We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Yeah, Chicago sports for sure. Afternoons on The Score. We will be talking to Boomer Esiason in just a couple seconds. Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody filling in for Parkinson Spiegel on this beautiful Wednesday here in the city of Chicago. Groats, a sweater, man. You're throwing me off. What do you think of this sweater? It was made fun of. Somebody said it looks like a dad sweater. <laughs> for sure, dad sweater. But I'm trying to think. Tanny, help me out here. Store inside the hip. That kind of sold those kind of clothes, not structure. Is it structure? Am I thinking of Stanny laughing? So that might you're gonna love where I got it. Structure, not S- structures don't still exist. Coles didn't structures become express? Structure became express. I, don't know. I think it did. Okay, this express men. It's like express women, like eight blocks worth of stores, and then these little yeah, cute little men's stores. Yeah, express men. Okay. But and it's on the 17th floor. So where'd you get it from? Before we go to Boomer Target. Oh, Target. Fancy. Yeah. All right. Uh, joining us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. It is none other than Boomer Esiason. Boomer, thanks for hanging out with us today. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Too bad Danny and Speegs aren't here, but I think you guys do just fine. I guess you yeah, we're not worried at all. Don't say that yeah. just yet. <laughs> just wait till, <laughs> wait till the end of the segment, Boomer. Uh, all Bo- right. Boomer, uh, um, you look at a guy like Shannon Sharp who missed uh, the day after work after what happened to DeMar Hamlin, and he said he was, you know, obviously, you know, it hit him a different way being a former player, and I'm curious to you, obviously, having been between those lines, um, how it affected you seeing it happen and and then the days after, not just when it happened, but the days after and, yeah. and how have you been? Well, you know, I, it hit me just like it hit everybody else. You know, this is the first time we've ever seen anything like that. Uh, we are totally in uncharted waters, um, all of us, you know, both ex-players, coaches, anybody who loves the game of football, the, fan, the fans that are watching the game nationwide, worldwide for that matter. Uh, we were all uh, stunned and and just absolutely take our breath was taken away, especially watching the players on the field, because those of us who have been on the field to see players reacting like that, we knew that there was something significantly wrong. And it was really hard for ESPN to tell us what was wrong because they don't want to speculate. And we're told not to speculate when we are doing games as analysts or when we're in the studio. And I really think that, you know, Troy and, and Joe and, and uh, Lisa did a great job. And then of course, uh, Susie Colbert and Booger and, and Adam Shepard did their part, and so did you know Ryan Clark and, of course, uh, Scott Van Pelt. So ESPN did the right thing. They moved it around. They didn't put it all on one person's shoulders. And I thought that they really captured the sentiment of the players and the, and the stadium. So saying all of that, I'm like Shannon. You know, I, I was uh, – my breath was taken away, uh, the chills, and all you want is information, more information. As a matter of fact, I stayed up until like 1230 that night trying to find out if there was going to be more information because I know I was going to be on the air – the next morning here in uh, in New York City on WFAN. So, you know, we opened our show uh, on Tuesday morning um, respectfully, uh, looking at, you know, who DeMar Hamlin is, uh, what his life was like, uh, where he came from. You know, we kind of knew who he was because my partner worked in Pittsburgh 
and he has Pittsburgh ties. And, and obviously, he went to the University of Pittsburgh and went to Central Catholic Dan Marino's old uh, high school. So we we really knew who he was and everything else. And then, of course, the stories come out about his Toys for Tots campaign and everything else. So we focused on a lot of that in day two, you know, or day one, right after the night or the morning after. But you know, we we now have to kind of move into another kind of area and we have to think about the games coming up uh the effect of the decisions that are going to be made by the nfl and how they're going to affect the entire league while also knowing that we're praying for demar hamlin's uh complete recovery we want him walking out of that hospital and i want him standing tall and i don't really root for things to happen in in life uh, when it comes to football i try to be unbiased and i try to you know, give my perspective on things, but it would be an amazing sight to see the uh, the uh, the Buffalo Bills win that Super Bowl and put that ring on uh, Demar Hamlin's finger. That's oh, wow. that's what my hope and dreams would be. <laughs> I I hadn't even thought about that, and I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Man, that that would be an absolutely fantastic story, and obviously a lot of layers to get through before we get to something like that. Would you? Would you excuse any players? Because I, I feel like this week of football is still going to be weird for some of the players. Very step, much so. Stepping on the field. Would Would you understand yeah. if a lot of these players didn't have their best games in their next games? I would. I would. I would, yeah. especially if they were a Buffalo Bill um, and if there were a Cincinnati Bengal who sat there and watched CPR being delivered. So, um, you know, when when – players see that for the first i don't know how many players have ever seen that i've never seen it personally up close uh i i it did i was a part of something way back when when i was 12 years old but i don't really remember it uh it was a it was a tragedy that that uh, i actually saw happen before my eyes but this is different this is a game which we love this is happening on the field it's one of the people that we know really well because we spend every single day with him in the locker room. So if somebody from the, the Buffalo Bill said, you know, I don't think I can play for the next couple of weeks or I need time, you know, you got to give them time and space. And I have to say both Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott were amazing on Monday night. Um, I think Zach Taylor spoke about it today and some of the conversations that he and Sean were having as uh, the game was possibly going to be restarted. I don't think it ever really was going to be restarted, but you know, and Sean says to Zach, look, I I, th- I don't feel like I should be here coaching. I need to be with my player at the hospital. And that's when I think they all decided that, you know, there's no way that this game is going to be played. So, and it was the right, it was the right move. And now they just got to figure out because they have a little bit of time now, what they're going to do and if they're going to play that game. We're talking to Boomer Esiason here on 670, the score, Gabe Ramirez, along with Mark Grody, filling in for Parkins and Spiegel. Um, you know, Boomer, I, 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 I watched the game and I, I see what's happening and you hear the, the two words, mental health, when it comes to the players that are out there. And obviously, you know, when you were playing, not something that was spoke about a ton, um, but now it, it, it's, it's prevalent. Everyone's speaking about it. How important is it to get to these players, specifically those that were on the field at, at that time? How important is it to get to them just to kind of get their mind right and, and, and for, to allow them to do their job again and get back on the field? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's a big deal. And it's one of the reasons why the games, you know, shouldn't have been played. There's no way that those players, after seeing that and watching that, uh, could have played effectively and protected them, their own selves. Forget the game itself. What about the player's health? So when we talk about player safety and player health, it's not just physical. It's also mental. Um, you know, we're and you hear a lot of ex-players saying this now in light of this injury. But you also hear a lot of 
today's players saying it. You know, we are human beings. We do have families. And, you know, I got carted off the field a couple of times, and my family was scared. Um, I went back out of the field after taking a, a number of concussions where I was completely out on the field. So, um, you know, it's it's something that we all deal with. It's inherent risk in the game that we all love that has given us so much. And it's also made us the people that we are, I think. I think there are so many virtues that football gives to us as the, the, the players who play it and love to play it. And I feel like it's an honor to put on a uniform for whatever team you play for. So, um, I you know, I understand players are going to need space, but I also know that and it's 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 got to move on. It's there are a lot of people that are a part of these these games that you know we don't see uh, that it is their lifestyle. Whether it be production people that are part of the TV networks, whether it be stadium people, people that work for all of these organizations, and I kind of likened it to a little bit like a policeman or a fireman losing a brother or sister in a in a fire or in a in an accident or shooting or something like that. And, and how they need help and they need mental support uh, so they can get back to their job and do their job and be the effective person that they were prior to whatever incident that, that they were dealing with. So it's a big part of what the NFL is trying to do for these players right now. Yep. I was at Hallis Hall today where the Bears uh, practice, and they said that they were going to allow and utilize all their resources for any of the Bears players that, that needed them. And uh, uh, this is the the no easy way to segue portion of the show, Boomer Esiason, but in, in the name of – player safety I think the Bears made a decision today they decided that they are not going to start Justin Fields in the final game of the season they said that he had an MRI on his hip they said it was a strain so he's got the hip strain going on but the question from me to you is Boomer is is even if he could be playing through these things like if the Bears are fibbing a little bit just to protect their player would you understand it is it better that Justin Fields just doesn't play in this final game yeah, I don't think he should play, honestly. If there's any, any little thing nagging him, uh, he's too valuable of a commodity as a player. You know, he, he showed this year that he can be a spectacular player. Now we just have to refine some of the skills like Josh Allen had to go through. You know, we knew that Josh Allen was going to be great. We just didn't think or we didn't know how great he was going to be, and he's turned out to be one of the top quarterbacks. And I kind of feel like Justin is on that trajectory. I feel like they finally figured out, okay, they got this ultimate weapon back there that is amazing, and why risk any further injury? Let's get him right. Let's get him back here healthy next year. Let's get him some support around him. Let's beef up that offensive line. Let's figure out what we're doing at wide receiver and do for Justin what the Bills did for uh, Josh Allen, what the Bengals did for Joe Burrow, what uh, the Chargers have done uh, for Justin Herbert, you know, look what, what Miami tried to do for Tua. So that's the next step, uh, I think, for the Bears. And and not playing him this week, while I'm disappointed because I like watching him play now because he's so exciting, I, I totally get where they're coming from. We're talking to Boomer Esiason here on 670, the score, boom. And you're, in your second year, you know, you, 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 you come out, you throw for 3,400 yards, what what allowed you to be so comfortable in that second season, right? Because the, the year prior, you didn't have the, the exact success that you had in year two. Obviously, you're playing a lot more. But what what allowed you to be so comfortable in that space? Because we're looking at Justin Fields in year two, and I think a lot of fans here you know, it, it wanted more. I mean, obviously, you see from the rushing and his legs and what he's able to do there, but a lot of people talking about his arm. You having success in that second year just being thrown right in, what, what do you feel allowed for that? 
Well, I can tell you one thing. I wasn't the athlete that Justin is. I can tell you. I mean, he has uh, like he's a ten of an athlete. I would probably say I was like a seven and a half. And uh, um, you know, he's a superstar in waiting. For me, it was just it was my second year in the offense. I had a head coach who was a former quarterback in the NFL, Sam Weish. I had an offensive coordinator who was a former tight end in the NFL, and Bruce Coslett. Uh, they were on my ass every single day. They were challenging me both mentally and physically, uh, and they would put a lot of my plate. You know, this was before the days that you actually had the quarterback to coach, um, you know, uh, communication device. And, and I wasn't allowed to wear a wristband with the plays on it. They wanted me to know everything, memorize everything. And I remember bringing my playbook home to my wife, and I would end up having to do it as if I were doing a play, like I'd have to learn my lines. And it was uh, it was really interesting. It was really hard, but it forced me. It forced me to really respect that part of the game, the mental part of the game. And uh, and Sam would put me through all these mental gymnastics. Nowadays, I think it's they try to make it too easy for these quarterbacks. You know, let me give you the plays in the wrist. Let me tell you what the you know the play is in your ear, and then you don't have to worry about the formations because they're going to be on your wrist. You know, I'm 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 about learning your offense entirely. So this was Justin's first year with Luke Gessie. It took Luke a little while to figure out who he was as a quarterback. And after the bye, they started incorporating the run a little bit more. Now, here's the dangerous thing about the running aspect of this, guys. I think we're going to start our 65th quarterback this year. And I think Nathan Peterman's probably either 65 or 66 on that list. A lot of guys on that list that got hurt and replaced only because they got hurt are running quarterbacks like Justin. So you look at Jalen Hurts, hurt his, hurt his shoulder. You look at uh, Kyle Murray, blew out his knee. You look at uh, Jamar, uh, Lamar Jackson, he hurt his knee. you got to be really, really careful. And that's where the refinement comes in. So hopefully Justin's going to be more understanding of what Luke Getze's offense is all about, the pass protections. And he'll run when he needs to run, not when he feels like he's under pressure and has to go make a play. One of the things that Matt Eberflus mm-hmm. said that, that was – specific in terms of what he wants Justin Fields to work on was he said rhythm and timing and some of the nuances that come with that what do you think he means by that is that is is that rhythm and timing in a passing game why hasn't there been rhythm as well well you know it's everything it's everything it's uh it's getting in and out of the huddle it's getting the right plays called if there's an offense a check at the line of scrimmage if there's an audible you know, let's do it. Let's not screw up the, you know, the uh, the snap count. Let's not leave your offensive lineman hanging. Um, you know, you got to understand this. Other ten guys out on the field are basically taking all their cues from him. And the more success he has, and the better understanding he has of his offense, and the more rhythm he gets his offense in, the the better everybody else will play around him. I think it's a little herky jerky yet, and it's a little scatter, a little chaotic. Uh, and that's because he's falling back on his God-given abilities. Uh, but once he realizes that, you know, to play the game and to be effective and to play all, of, you know, 17 games in a year, you kind of got to do it a little bit of a combination of, you know, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, Joe Burrow. You, you don't have to be Superman on every single play, if you know what I mean. We're talking to Boomer Sias in the year 670 to score. Gabe Ramirez and Mark Grody filling in for Parkinson Spiegel. Boomer, we saw Chase Claypool. He had like a mini blow up on the sidelines last weekend. Still unsure what was at the core of that frustration. But we saw how Fields handled the situation, calmed it down, let him know, hey, we, that's not going to be you know, good for the team. Ever have any situations like that with wide receivers where you yourself had to go over and kind of calm them down? 
you know, I didn't play in an era where wide receivers became all of a sudden the divas that they've become over the last 20 years. And I never had to deal with anybody like that. Never. In, my, in, my, in, my, in all my years of playing, uh, I, I don't ever remember having a wide receiver ever complain on the field. No, they all complain. Everybody wants the ball. There's no question about that. But uh, I was really proud of Justin, the way he handled it. And now you know why Pittsburgh wanted to get rid of Chase Claypool. Because, you know, it's about Chase Claypool. It's not about the Bears. And, you know, part of the quarterback's responsibility is to, is to handle stuff like that in real time and do it in a way that is not embarrassing to anybody, but it is putting a perspective on, you know, the one person's actions and how you're not going to stand for it. So it's delivering the message. You know, you, you can sit there and you can scream back at him, You can yell at him, But what is that going to do? That's going to create a firestorm in the fan base and it's going to create, you know, social media memes and everything else in the meantime going over and you know calming a person down the way that i felt justin did was absolutely perfect so that's that shows me that justin is understanding the leadership part of it and that wasn't that you know coming out of ohio state by the way that was one of the things that you know if you wanted to check all the boxes of a kid coming out of college and say okay what kind of leader he is you know justin had a check in that leadership box so he's showing that now and that's really that's a good part of his growth so you're telling me that uh, Chris Collinsworth never mouthed off on those Bengals uh, team, never gave you any issues? I mean, because I listen to him now, and I would think that he would be somebody that would mouth off a little bit. No, he never mouthed off to me, I got to tell you. But I will say this. My rookie year, I didn't know the offense, so I just looked for number 80 and just threw it his way. And I've, I've actually had a receiver come to me and say, can you stop throwing it to me for a while? <laughs> And that was Chris because I was getting his ribs cracked every time I was throwing it to him. So I, I uh, my rookie year, I sent a masseuse to his house. Oh wow! He answered the door. He, so he answers the door, and he says, "You know who are you?" And she says, "Well, you know, um, Mr. Sison sent me over. He feels bad. He knows that you're pretty beat up." And he says, "Can you come back like in six months when the season's over? Because I can't have anybody touch me right now. That's how beat up he was." <laughs> So that was my rookie year. I about, I about cut him in half and probably took about three years off of his career. Wow. He, he owes it all to you. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, 100%. Wide receiver, by the way, in, in the real side of things here, is a huge area of need beyond, you know, we talked about Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney's mm-hmm. going to be back, but do you look at, like, the Bears need to go out and poke around on other teams for an elite wide receiver, or do you think that they can get that actual upgrade in the draft? Mm-hmm. And we all know they're going to have a very high draft pick. What's the best route yeah, for think, wide I receiver? Think, yeah, I think, I think, well, it depends on if they feel like, uh, you know, the edge rusher out of Alabama, if that kid is so good that they have to have him then you take him number one if you don't feel like he is that big of a difference maker he's not you know like a Micah Parsons type or you know a TJ Watt type then what you do is you, you take that first pick and you trade it and then you try to get that kid I think the wide receiver out of TCU oh my god so yeah. good it was so good it's, in what, that game four, four, four 40? oh my god I mean, that that kid is amazing. Now, Marvin Harris Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr. is not ready to come out yet. They do have another kid there at Ohio State that's really good as well. We had uh, Gareth Wilson here in, uh, at the Jets. He was a rookie from Ohio State and Chris Olave down in New Orleans. So these kids are ready to go when they come out of these colleges. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I think it's Quentin Johnson out of PCU. I hope he gets with somebody like Justin. That would be unbelievable. That would be a great draft pick, I think. Uh, from what I can see on TV with that kid, and he's a huge target, and he's fast. 
And so that that that's a dynamic player that's going to be in the first round. And so maybe they decide to trade that first pick and somebody wants Bryce Young or somebody wants uh, C.J. Stroud or somebody wants, you know, Will Levis. And, you know, they get multiple picks back because you got to rebuild the team around the young quarterback. And that's I'm sure that's going to be a big part of the strategy for the Bears moving towards the draft. Well, Boomer, is something that we're definitely going to be watching closely as the draft happens out there in April. Boomer, hopefully, I told you, wait till the end of the interview so that that way you can tell us whether or not <laughs> we held it down properly for Parkinson Spiegel. Uh, Boomer, thanks for hanging out with us today. Appreciate your time. You're welcome, and you guys did an unbelievable <laughs> Thank job. You, you weren't screaming at me like Parkinson's, <laughs> so I appreciate that. <laughs> Anytime, man. You just call You just call right, us on, on your regular yeah. appearances. Yeah. 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 You got it, brother. Thanks, guys. Bye. Boomer Esiason from CBS Sports NFL Today, of course, WFAN, hanging out with us here on the score. Some great insight right there. Not only to, you know, obviously the DeMar Hamlin stuff and how he dealt with it as a, as a former player, but also just Justin Fields, the growth of Justin Fields, how they can help him along the way. Some super excellent stuff right there from Boomer. All right. Uh, we are changing gears. Going to go over to baseball because there is someone that's finally made their way into town. Of course, we're talking about Andrew Benatendi. What did Rick Hahn have to say about his brand new acquisition? We'll find out after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody filling in for Parkinson Spiegel right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Three and two. Towering fly ball. Left center field. And gone. Benintendi goes deep the opposite way. And it's four to two. Ah, we all get to learn a little bit more about Andrew Benatendi right now. It's Gabe Ramirez, along with Mark Grody. Going to be hanging out with you guys till 6 o'clock. Don't forget, Grody and I are going to be together tomorrow as well, but for the night show. Woodstock, baby. We're coming for you. 7 get, to 10, is it, or 6 to 10? Six, 7 to 10. Seven do, to do, 10. do we get to smoke and drink because we're in Woodstock? <laughs> Play cool music and stuff? It depends which version of Woodstock is it. Is it... The is it the Jimi Hendrix version or is it the Limp Biscuit version or the corn version? I'd probably prefer yeah. the Jimi Hendrix version yeah. for obvious reasons. But uh tomorrow, seven to ten, Miller Light Top Draft Show is happening at Offside Sports Bar and Grill in Woodstock. It will be from seven to ten. We'll have an opportunity for you to get on the field at Soldier Field next season when the Bears have, you know, ramped up the roster a little bit. So come hang out with Which us. Which is very cool. As somebody who works on the sidelines for Bears games, I see the tour groups. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I see the groups come through on the sideline, and they just there there is you know a little gate area. You come out there, you get to take pictures, selfies, the whole thing. So I don't have to sell it, but it's pretty cool. Seven to ten tomorrow, Woodstock will be broadcasting live, and you can come hang out with us. Grody's going to buy you a beer because he don't drink. Absolutely, all right. All the beer goes in ya. All right. Uh, so we were mentioning Ben Attendee a second ago. And he has made his way to the city. You've seen a lot of social media, him riding around town, signing autographs, kissing babies and the likes. And Rick Hahn uh, had an opportunity to talk about Ben Attendee and gush a little bit. Not not, not the same kind of gush levels as Pedro Grafol, uh, but gushing nonetheless. Here he is talking about why Ben Attendee needed to be on the south side. 
over the years, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, he's shown a little bit different offensive profiles at different stops. Uh, I think he, as he'll very likely articulate tomorrow, if you ask him the same thing, uh, talk about ways he sort of matured as a hitter in terms of knowing himself and what he's capable of doing. You know, the the gold glove a year, a year ago is certainly a positive. Uh, he was a center fielder way back in the day, so perhaps not uh, too surprising that he developed into a, a very solid defensive corner outfielder. Uh, but he's, you know, he's fulfilled the the promise that I'm guessing the the Red Sox saw when they took him and what many in our scouting department projected for him back when, when he was an amateur. So uh, we want to open up the lines right now. 312-644-6767. All my Sox fans that are out there, how do you feel about having Mr. Benatendi on the team? Does it do anything for you? Does it move the needle for you at all? Shane, I'm looking at you, bro. We could do our we could do our whole podcast right now. Shane, just talk about I'll put Benet- my feet up. Benatendi yeah. for 17 minutes and and get the audio recording and call it a call it a week on that on that front. Uh, but I do want to open up the lines because you know it's not often you get you know a nice little signing here where you feel good about. Because I got to be honest, I feel really good about this. I feel good about the addition of a corner outfielder for the Chicago White Sox after what we saw last year from Eloy Jimenez and more specifically Andrew Vaughn. Him right. It's not oh, just didn't, didn't like it. Didn't like the platoon. I, I, you know, and when you're just thinking about you know the guys they had out there, it just didn't feel good. And I feel like when you bring in Andrew Benatendi, you have a professional baseball player. Yes, and everybody talked about oh look, Andrew Vaughn has versatility. Not really. Versatility. I mean, not really. I mean, because they get. I guess it, the people that didn't say he had versatility. They said that he was willing to play anywhere and do anything, but he was never, never looked comfortable. The, the thing in the is, outfield. the thing is, when you play for the Chicago White Sox over the last couple of years, it was expected of you to be yeah. somewhat of a utility. He played guy second play base everywhere. last year, some didn't he? It's, Vaughn. I, I mean, it was. Didn't he play second? It was place? ugly. There was I thought some, he did. There's some ugly moments out there. I, I'm with uh, Rick Hahn, though, on something What's that, that that this is a guy that he's always liked. I seriously have always liked Andrew Benintendi's game. Like going, I, I'm surprised because he's such a Boston Red Sox okay. type of guy. Even the name, he's a grinder. I was surprised. What does that mean? A Boston Red Sox, Boston. No, Red Sox guy. no, just just like. He's a guy that they drafted. He seemed to be a part of their core, and you know he was there for for five years. Like a doubles hitter type. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. There's something very red. Like it just it all fit perfectly. Then all of a sudden he gets lost in Kansas City for a couple of years. Back with the Yankees, and uh, now he gets to start fresh again with the with the White Sox. I've always liked him, and yeah, he's an adult in the outfield with Luis Robert. This is a professional. There were so many times where you'd see Andrew Vaughn playing right field. And you're like, dude, get your feet underneath you. Put the glove. It's like I felt like I was talking to a little leaguer. Put the glove above you. Like, let the ball come to you. So, like, set it up correctly. And you just would see that very rarely from Andrew Vaughn. But it's a good thing. He's out. He's hopefully he's yes. not playing more than ten games. Well, you guys, you guys freaked me out before the show about what? And saying, oh yeah, Lois looking to play. Uh, right they're field? just gonna move him over to right field. Yeah, yeah. What? Tanny, tell me more about that. What? And, and, and your, that's not good. Your desire for Eloy to play right field because <laughs> that's the best part of Andrew Benatendi is that you don't have to put Eloy. You can talk about Vaughn. I was like, no more Eloy Jimenez. But wouldn't but... you rather have Eloy out there than Andrew Vaughn? Nope. What? Come no. on. In left field or right field? In right, anywhere. In the outfield. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. No what? No, I would rather have Andrew Vaughn out there yes. than Eloy. Yes. Why? Because, but, because he's fundamentally a better outfielder than, than Eloy Jimenez is. You, you disagree. Wait, wait, hold on a second. You think Vaughn is a worse outfielder than, than Eloy? Yes. Wow. Yes. Tanny? 
Without doubt, without a doubt. Well, see, the thing is, you know, when you saw Andrew Vaughn in right field last year, that's what I'm saw, talking about. We saw way too much of. He, I think he was literally the worst right fielder in baseball. No, no, Gavin Sheets was. <laughs> oh, sorry, Gavin Sheets. I could have so many right fielder in baseball, <laughs> but Vaughn was right there, at least by the eye test. Right, but, but yeah. with that logic, you'd rather have Vaughn if he's not statistically the worst right fielder in baseball. I'd rather have him than Sheets or Eli. So well, he's, he's the like, second worst right fielder in all the baseball, right above Gavin Sheets. I don't. I just don't want him out there. Please. Please, by all means, Andrew Vaughn, come, well, come a little bit closer. You play first base. That's my remember, point. Remember, they got rid of Jose Abreu for now, some yeah, reason. Yeah, he's going to be so. very comfortable at first base with Lurie Garcia sitting next to him at second base. <laughs> they, Don't wish to stop. I mean, I what the hell, dude? Still on the roster, right? But doesn't it feel good, Shane, to have a professional outfielder now on the roster where you well, thought that was the case last year? They had professional outfielders on the roster last year. They just couldn't stay healthy, and also they weren't good. Yeah. But, yeah, it does feel good to have Andrew Benintendi, who's a cornerstone outfielder who has a positive OPS plus and a positive war and stays healthy and hits for average. It's nice to have that in left field. But still, you're talking about marching either Gavin Sheets or a rookie in Oscar Colas out to right field. And you're talking about marching either Romy Gonzalez or Lenin Sosa out to second base if it's not Larry Garcia. That's going to be tough. Where are, you plugging in, where are you plugging in Andrew Benintendi in the lineup in a perfect world? Two, probably two. So Moncada goes where? To hell. <laughs> Come on. You go that's to hell, hard. nerd. That's too you go hard. to hell, virgin. <laughs> Shane no, and that's I would me argue. Of the house. Yeah, it, I would go <laughs> TA, Benintendi, Eloy. Three? Eloy three? In a perfect world, yeah, if he's healthy, he's probably No Luis three Robert hitter. three. No, I, I probably six or seven for Luis Robert for me. Yeah. Perfect world. Yeah, this hey, is. Hey, you a, know what? Speaking of Vaughn four. Yes, five if he's healthy. Grody, I'm still going. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luis Robert, six. Dying yeah. to interrupt you. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Gabe. Oh, I thought it was Grody right there. At that <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Shane. All right. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess when I'm looking when I'm listening, look, looking at this roster and thinking where I would want these gentlemen, I don't necessarily – I mean, but obviously that's not our job. That's the good thing. Uh, Pedro Grafal, that's his job, and he actually spoke on vouching for Ben Attendi as well. He's a very versatile player, and what I mean by that, obviously he's a left fielder, but he's a very versatile player as far as where we're going to – where we hit him in the lineup, he's done everything in the game. He's hit for average. He's hit for some power. He definitely runs the base as well. Um, he fits really well into what we're trying to uh, do here. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and share this little quick story. Um, I went in for my, actually, when I was preparing for my first interview uh, with with Rick and, and some of the guys, I identified Benny as a great fit for our ball club, but I didn't mention uh, his name that particular day. And it wasn't until the second interview with uh, Kenny and Rick that one of them mentioned, hey, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Andrew Benintendi? And I'm like, okay, you mentioned it, not me. So now let me, let me talk <laughs> about him. So um, he fits perfect. He fits perfect in this ball club. He fits perfect in this park. Um, he's exactly what... Uh, what we were looking for this off season, this off season. 2022 season with the Yanks and the Royals, 461 at bats, 140 hits, 51 RBIs. Hmm. I just think when, when I'm looking at a perfect guy, I mean, it, it, it's funny when you hear, you know, somebody like Pedro Grafol or Rick Hahn talk about him and say he's a perfect fit, but it's like it's a perfect fit from what was left over. You know, it's like, yeah. well, it's like you, you needed these spaces. It's not like you were going to go out and make a huge splash. So this is 
it's just always fun because teams want to win the press conference, right? And in, in this particular situation, you're trying to sell it as hard as possible. But it does feel good to know that Pedro Grifol was on board after having, you know, been close to him in Kansas City in 2021 and 2022. And we call him Benny, too. Yeah, he's, he's Benny. Ben Attendee, he's, he's Benny. He is what we call a good addition. You know, you don't, you don't have to take it any higher or lower than that. This, I don't think this is like a great addition to the White Sox. I don't think he makes the difference in this team. Like if you had Ben Attendee on that team last year, I don't think somehow he is the difference. Do you like him but better it, than A.J. Pollock? I do. Okay. I do like him better than A.J. Pollock. So it's a good addition. That That's what it is. It, it's a, and you, I guess you paid market value for that. It is a good addition for the White Sox. Now let's see what's next because – we're we're trying to praise Andrew Benatendi in the fact that he is here, but in the process, we're talking about you know what do they get? Really, Aloy is going to still play outfield. Gavin Sheets is going to be out there. And by the way, I hope there's no funny stuff with Luis Robert next year. I hope he returns to. And I know that there were some real reasons Set why your expectations he was, low. He was struggling defensively, but I I'm just going to assume that that he gets back to being glo- Gold Glove caliber center field next year like are we just assuming that because we didn't see that last remember, year remember remember all, all Sox fans all we have is hope so we, we hope everybody plays up to their potential so that falls in line with that uh, it's Gabe Ramirez Mark Grody here on 670 the score filling in for Parkinson Spiegel on the other side we get to actually hear from Benny himself Benny and whether or not he thinks that he can actually get that power stroke back giggity uh, what did he have to say and will it we'll find out on the other side it's Gabe and Grody right here on 670 the score you know playing Kaufman 2021, I got pretty frustrated just flying out. We joke about it all the time, these long flyouts. Uh, where I'm not the biggest guy who's, you know, it's going to take everything I can to hit a ball out of that stadium. Um, so, you know, going into last year, I was, I was thinking that let's just hit for a you know, higher average and, you know, higher on base, and hopefully this works, or else I'm going to be in world trouble. Andrew Benatendi talking about his desire to you know, be a little bit more powerful with his bat and why he kind of fell back a little bit. Obviously, he felt like it was a, a bit difficult to hit the long ball. Focused on the batting average, which is something the White Sox are going to need, a guy that can get on base so that that way, you know, guys like Eloy and, and Andrew Vaughn can can knock him in. So it's going to be interesting to see that. It's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, filling in for Parkinson Spiegel here on 670. The score, I, I, I'm i thinking about all the additions the White Sox made um, this season and you know, and then I think about my hope because that's what I tell you. If you're a Sox fan, you're, you're you're just simply built off hope. That's all you can do. You you hope for the best on every single player that they have, and then that can somewhat propel you into the playoffs. And so I'm trying to think. You know, when you're looking at Clevenger, when you're looking at Ben Attendee, when you're looking at the exit of Jose Abreu, you know, what space is this team in? Do they d- does this team with these additions? sound like one that can compete for the AL Central. Well, you know what it, it still comes back to, and I think that Rick Hahn holds on to this, is, the, is the, the core guys, the quote core guys. Like you talked about average. I'd like to see some more home runs out of some of these guys. I'd like to see Yasmani Grandal get back to being what he was when the White Sox first signed him. I'd like to see Aloy Jimenez play an entire season and hit 40 home runs and do what I think he can do. I'd like to see Luis Robert 
be an actual MVP candidate with all the tools that he does have. I would love to see Yoan Moncada. Like, when are these guys that are the supposed core pieces going to be realized to some degree? Because it does come back to that. Because I want to say, I want to say that the addition of Andrew Bennett is great because you look at some of the names that are on that team. But right now, they're just names because they haven't, you know, at this moment, the core guys are not panning out. Yeah, and that's the issue. And that's why you love a guy like Pedro Grafol, because the 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 idea is that he can then get the best out of all of those guys that you mentioned. Because like the way the way the way you described it was exactly what I was saying. Sox fans are living in hope, and every person that you mentioned yes. and that you want on there. That's why, well, and so are the White Sox. So is Rick Hahn. He's living in hope too. I mean, the Cubs were guilty of that as well. Like they admitted it that they held on to their core guys too long, and it was too late. The White Sox have. I don't believe they have held on to their core guys too. long long at this point but we're getting close yeah we're getting close you know after this year if there isn't something real that occurs with the White Sox in the postseason then then you're there I think yeah you uh you saw you know Chuck Garfine did a really good article on Yasmani Grandal and, and why you know he felt like he he was dealing with a bunch of frustrations himself injuries and not feeling like you know he was who he is and so he he said he's been working out a ton trying to push himself to a limit that he hasn't reached before so that that way he can be this you know this this durable guy throughout the season. So again, more hope though oh, if you're looking at dude, this White Sox this, team. You just when you said that, it made me think about what spring training is going to be for the Chicago White Sox What's this that? year, and it's going to be a bunch of guys saying, telling us what they did in the off season to get refocused because yeah. they knew they needed it. And and there it starts with Yasmani Grandal. Hopefully, there's some remake of Yoan Moncada and what he did in the off season and what and what he's going to do this year. Luis Roberts, Aloy. Like there's every, gonna, after every sentence, hope. Hope. And you know, <laughs> there's going to be you. the inevitable. Somebody will come in more muscular or with less bad weight. You know, Aloy would be a great candidate. Like Aloy comes in tight, ready to go in refocus. That's what, and that's what all the questions are going to be for the White Sox. Unless they do more than they've already done here. And you mentioned, you know, the two big moves and the latest one being Ben Benintendi. I think that that should be the theme of this White Sox team. Is the core going to realize itself? That would be the hope. Uh, Shane, do you think Liam Hendricks is going to be on the team at the start of the season? Yeah, he will. He will get the first save for the White Sox this and season. And that's it? Just the first one? <laughs> no, no. I'm saying he'll be the first one to get a save. He, okay. he is the ninth inning guy. And there's no reason why he can't be, go back to being as good as he was last year. But your boy Rick Hahn, you know, was talking about the way that the White boy. Sox. No, well, no it's just somebody I associate with. Tanny, once in a while. is that his boy? Wow, an associate, somebody yeah, that you used associate. to know. Wait till wow. he, wait, wait till you talk to him next. He's gonna yeah, be. Like, yeah, we'll see. I thought we were boys. <laughs> I think he's on vacation. Hey, wait a minute. Since the, since the boys, yeah. the boys aren't here today. Could we get your friend on? Today, Shane, or you're not friend? It's, it's not about associate. the people hosting. Oh. It's the what he told me is it's the medium. It's the collective. I yeah. get it. I get oh. it. Yeah. So he doesn't he necessarily does what he has like to do with MVP either. because that's their rights holder, and then anything else he does just one on one with me. I'm sorry, guys. Which you guys are also responsible for. So thanks yeah. for that. Well. You sit in those chairs. You're responsible for how the White Sox think of Danny. <laughs> You mean the medium. <laughs> the medium. Yeah, the medium. The medium. I'm sorry. The medium. The medium. Uh, the medium. Uh, going back to the going back to the Liam Hendricks thing and, and Rick Hahn. I mean, though, but that's what he talked about, right? Bringing in assets and it might come via the trade. So if it's not Liam Hendricks, then who are we talking about at that point? What Shane? If it's not Liam Hendricks closing? <laughs> no, if it's not. Let's, all right, let me. 
This is the medium radio where yeah. we're all working together and <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, so yep. we said Rick Hahn was talking about, you know, obviously having potentially using the trade to yep. bring in other talent. And if it's Liam Hendricks that you're not trading away, then who is it? Then? Which is probably somebody like Gavin Sheets. I, I know that's a powerful the worst left-handed right bat. Oh. I know it's a powerful left-handed bat, but I don't know who else from this roster outside of Gavin Sheets or uh, maybe Garrett Crochet, if you're going to take a chance on somebody coming off of, of an arm injury or Kendall Graveman was really good. It's a bullpen arm or it's Gavin Sheets. Yeah, tough. Um, Crochet. What's wrong with Crochet? You, you, you say it like it's a bad thing. No, I'm just kind of disappointed. Just I was so excited about him oh. when – was it during the – it was during the – the pandemic, right? Didn't they? Yeah, he was there in twenty. He was there, and during that play-in game, yes. he left early. Everyone thought, "Oh, here oh, comes, God. here comes Tommy John." He hurt himself in Oakland. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And if we were all right, but it just was much later than we all anticipated. And then Matt Foster just walked everybody with the bases loaded. Yeah. That was essential. Why are you bringing happened. up old stuff that's Sorry. making me upset? Okay, Sorry. Uh, here's Pedro Grifo uh, talking about the outfield configuration and what that could potentially look like in 2023. I've spoken to Eloy. Obviously, uh, Benny uh, comes here to play left field. That's what he's done his whole career, and he's, he's really good at it. Um, I've spoken to Eloy. I've told him to continue to, to, work, on in, to work in the outfield, um, to work some in right field as well. Um, so uh, that conversation uh, has already been had with him, and, and in true professional matter, Eloy is like whatever's best for this ball club and whatever helps us uh, win baseball games. He's like, is my check still coming on the 1st and 15th? Yeah, then whatever. Right? How long? Whatever you need to do, I'm, I'm there for you, coach. How long will it take Pedro Grafal to figure out what's best for the team yeah. would it be to have him not playing the outfield? It's already I been mean, done. I mean, because yeah. obviously two of those positions are already locked up, and there's going to be a rotation of guys there. But that's not the only position uh, that the White Sox are concerned about. Here's Rick Hahn talking about what second base will look like in 2023. We think very highly of, of Romy. I think Lennon Sosa is a, is a guy who's got a very bright future as well. Ultimately, that could be an area where we have future additions, whether it's in the next few weeks or, or something that happens in camp. If, in the end, we're choosing from from Romy and, and Lennon with, with Leary as a potential backup, you know, that's something that uh, we certainly feel is uh, – Gives us an opportunity to win, but at the same time, isn't necessarily going to preclude us from looking at ways to get better. Oh, no! <laughs> that sounds just awful, doesn't it? It sounds like he just kept saying the same person's name over and over again in that clip. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, it's either going to be this guy, so, this so. guy, or this guy. And you're like, now you're a Sox fan, you're just like, ah. But he did mention that something could potentially be happening in the next couple of weeks with that, with that position. So that would be cool if you see you know, some of the guys out there. How do you feel about Jose Iglesias? Jose Iglesias is still available. Shortstop, but can play second base. Right. Great defensive player. Elvis Andrews still available. Jerks and Profar still available. Uh, Tanny's guy, Josh Harrison, still available <laughs> as the best second base free agent <laughs> on the market right now. I like Elvis Andrews. I like bring him back. Now why aren't right? they grabbing Elvis Andrews, considering the success that he had? So, he actually made an impact yeah, on the clubhouse. He had crazy success, but... Elvis Andrews was trash before he came to the White Sox. Right. So they're, and we they're know thinking, why he didn't get so many at bats in Oakland was because they didn't want to accelerate the they didn't have to take out the carry out the option. But he wasn't good in Oakland. Right. And then he, he comes found here, something in the White Sox, and he's going to be what 35? Yeah, thirty six. Do you guys 43? think he'll, re- he'll revert? 
back to being he'll what he regress was. to the mean. Yeah. Okay. Which is right, below average for him right now. That's a good answer. All right. But still that, a good guy to have when you're yeah. thinking about that hodgepodge of second baseman <laughs> that was that was just mentioned and then Sosa, Romy Gonzalez, and Larry Garcia. You, you look at Elvis and you say at least he has the 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 ability to move over to other positions in the event that you know some of these guys get hurt, which we obviously assume is going to happen. But I, I like him. I like Elvis Andrews. He, he didn't do wrong by us last year. Depth, man. Like, you always look at the White Sox and say, oh, good team on paper. Like, I feel good about them. And then one guy gets hurt, and then oh. uh, forget it. It's, the whole season's a wrap. So, oh. like, when you have a guy like Elvis Andrews could slide over to second base, then you have a little bit of depth there with Romy yeah. and with Lee Ruiz. And not great depth, but at least it's, like, competence that can rise up of course. if someone gets hurt. So, that's, this team still has no depth mm-hmm. right now. Uh, well, I think the, the player that uh, people aren't, aren't talking enough about is Tim Anderson and what we should be expecting from him. Him this season and I think he can be someone I think you heard a lot of guys talk about it how where he goes the team goes and so we need a, a really big season out of Tim Anderson I think not a lot of people are putting those expectations on him to be the man on this squad especially with the departure of of Jose Abreu yeah get back to the mean for him as well like getting back to what we know he can do and do the Sox have by the way and this is probably a bigger picture thing do they have a hot shot minor league infielder right now yeah they, who Colson Montgomery and okay. I was just going to yeah. say that before we broke that I know specifically they are much higher on Colson Montgomery than people think they are so there's no sense in going to trade for like okay. Jazz Chisholm or something like that where you're going to give up Montgomery Berger Garrett Crochet right. for, for Chisholm to hold down for the next four years they're waiting for Colson Montgomery yeah I mean it's, it's the cheaper option at that point I think that's where the White Sox are all right it's Gabe Ramirez Mark Grody filling in for Parkinson Spiegel here on 670 the score when we come back we get the opportunity to talk to Herb Howard about the big news coming out of Hallis Hall, Justin Fields not playing, and the extension of a particular bear. Who deserved an extension? We'll talk about that on the other side. It's Gabriel Grody right here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.